louder! What's up, everybody, and welcome to Hypodermic, the pod that sticks you deep. I am TJ Bowser, and joining me is your host, the maestro of mayhem, the dawn of disaster, Mr. Nick Benson. How you doing? And our esteemed guest for this evening, the legendary James Asriel. <laughs> legendary. Legendary. In World own. record holding. Yes. I mean, if, if I put it in the bio, it's true, right? Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> it must be. I read it on Facebook. <laughs> I am totally changing your name in my phone to the Dawn of Disaster. Dawn of Disaster. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be on shirts everywhere soon, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how you doing, James? I am doing pretty good. This is uh, this is like midnight for me, so my apologies mm. if my eyes seem droopy or anything so <laughs> between the two of us we're a couple of droopy old men huh? right <laughs> but we definitely appreciate you coming on today yeah i'm happy to be here it's been a while yes yeah definitely so we're not going to bore you with all the normal prop talk as everybody else hounds you about what we want to know about is why i mean we can the way you are and why you do the things <laughs> that you do and we want to start at the very beginning oh my god look at all that stuff but we'll talk about that later uh <laughs> So where did this all start? Where did your love for things start? Things, just in general. Things. Yes. Well, things let's let's they. let's put it this way. Um, you know, you and I have known each other a long time, but but we want to get a little deeper and further back. I want to know, I want to know what drove you. What what drove you not only to collect, but to get yourself into music, to get yourself to play. Mm -hmm. The music you played, I want. I want to know more about who James Asriel is. Hoy, man, um, <laughs> I should have prepared some cliff notes for this one. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, the 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 collecting started. Um, I I was brought up Bohemian. My my family tree is Bohemian, and that culture is a natural pack rat from everything I learned. So I, it must be genetic. Um, so I don't know. I was probably five or six when it really started. Um, we had gone up to Canada and uh, they had a, found an ATST driver from Return of the Jedi. Mm. Try logo on there because Canada sells everything in English and French, but also the Spanish logo. Mm -hmm. And at that age, I didn't open it. I kept it. I still have it. Downside is it was an ATST driver and it's not worth anything <laughs> even today. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it some something told me like to to not play with this, keep this in the box in the package. And that definitely set it off. Uh around that time too, like I, I started getting into World War II, um, talking with my grandparents, my neighbor behind us uh who, who served and just listening to their stories and parents would start buying me encyclopedias about it and uh some of these family friends and and, and this progressed through the through the years 
Uh, they would give me little artifacts, their army hat that they had, or some pins, or some money they got from uh, from the Pacific Islands, you know. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've always just collected, always collected. Um, and uh, with props, it, it started with replicas. Um, and then one day on surfing on eBay, I found some listings for Jeepers Creepers and realized that I could forget. You were like, fuck it, I need the real thing. (laughs) Well, the crazy thing is, especially back then, it was cheaper to get the real thing. than Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's everything I've ever done has been collecting I, I collect jack daniels i i collect movie props i i still collect certain replicas i've been collecting star wars i uh collect comic books in particular lobo um <laughs> yeah <laughs> it doesn't stop um, well let's sidebar into lobo actually while you bring yeah. it up uh you currently hold the world record for the largest amount of lobo stuff uh, we, we didn't know that we needed see- that did we? <laughs> yeah, we we were we were serious about the world record holding that was yes. no joke <laughs> there's actually lobo behind you for uh video watchers oh and there's yeah. the certificate there it is look at that i mean i just happen to have it right here that's yeah it just yes. happens to be right there <laughs> So yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. That uh, so. Do you want to know how I got into Lobo? How this began? Well, first I want to know why Lobo. Yeah. Why Lobo? Okay. Well, it's it's interconnected. So, um, you know, comic books, everything. There's Archie comics, and I I had some Punisher stuff early on, and um, God, hold on, I was. It must have been 12. I don't know. It was right before high school. Uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time, who was in high school, uh, he and I rode to this little comic shop. It was a newsstand um, in the neighboring town, really tiny place. And on the shelf was the comic Lobo's Back. Uh, so I guess that was 91. And this is the infamous cover with, with Lobo's Back. Uh, to the to the viewer, and it says "Bite Me, Fanboy," mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and everywhere on the cover it says "For Mature Readers." There's inside there was a triple cover, so when you opened it, there was another cover, and it said, "No, this we're serious. We strongly suggest you put this back." This <laughs> it just keeps going like that. Right? Um, so I I saw um, you can never have enough warnings. No, <laughs> <laughs> they tried, you know. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, there's something about this cover, like this this heavy metal looking badass yeah. and the artwork and, you know, you couldn't read them at the, the place and everything. But I, you know, pulled out all the change I had, paid the dollar fifty something, whatever, and took it home. And, and that was it. I've that's all I've I've collected ever since then. You know, there's random comics here and there of mm-hmm. occasional Superman or something, um, but it's it's really mm-hmm. only been Lobo. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just drawn to him and the character himself. For those that that don't know who he is, like he's for he's, the casuals out there. Yes, yeah, I mean he's, he's infamous, <laughs> but he's not in your face. You know, like he pops up everywhere. 
which made collecting fun and a pain in the fucking ass. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right, right after Love was back, he got his own series, but it was mm-hmm. only 64 issues long. But he's been in somewhere around 1,500 plus comics. Wow. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> and, and before the internet, you know, trying to find where these appearances are was very difficult. Well, I'm sure the research was horrible. Yeah, I, I would be literally I'd be at the comic book shop just going through long boxes, seeing if he's on a cover. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and as the years go, that's when we I've really oh excuse me, dug in. And you find that he'll just freaking appear in the background and random things in, in, in the Kingdom Come yes. uh, series. Mm-hmm. Is there there's a water tower. Uh, or, or the Statue of Liberty, I think it was, and it, it's just spray painted. Lobo was here, <laughs> but that, you know. but that's technically that's an yeah. appearance <laughs> that Kano did in the Guinness. He even uh, has a Christmas special where he fights Santa Claus. <laughs> and, and that predated the the Lobo's back. That was Lobo's yeah. paramilitary Christmas special. Um, <laughs> Ichiban hires Lobo to kill Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus is a bad dude, man. He's 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 the original Mister Machete. So you know, <laughs> it was a good thing that Lobo took him out. Um, but so Lobo started in 1983, Omega Men number three. Uh, Keith Giffen created him as a parody, as a as a as a commentary, really, on uh, kind of making fun of readers of the comics. Because uh, at that time, Wolverine and Punisher were super huge, and he couldn't wrap his head around why this these ultra-violent anti-heroes were popular. So he created Lobo to kind of pull the anti-hero's fun. anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it backfired horribly for him because people loved Lobo, <laughs> like, yeah. on yeah. the gate. Um, and so it's been like a thorn in his side in both... Um, it's it's been the 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 linchpin in his career, but also this like, guys, I was just fucking around, you know, like <laughs> stop <laughs> type of thing. But yeah, so Lobo just and he progressed. Like when he began, he 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 wore an orange and purple jumpsuit, mm-hmm. and he was skinny, he had purple hair and um, yellow eyes, uh, and and it progressively, in particular, when Simon Bisley took over. He, he became the super beefed out dude, but mm-hmm. he's, he's an alien from the planet Zarnia. Uh, he killed his entire race mm-hmm. as a science project. Um, <laughs> so he would be the only one of his kind. And um, so he's, he's super intelligent. He's got super, um, super narcissistic too. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. I mean, he calls himself the main man, you know. Yeah. It's, it's all yeah. about him. Um, he can breathe in space. He's uh he's essentially immortal. He can't die because yeah. he gets kicked out of well when he does die, gets kicked out of heaven and banned from hell. So he essentially can't die. Um <laughs> he's 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 as strong as Superman, and, and that's been a routine thing in DC is Lobo and Superman duke it out. And I was going to say, I strongly associate Lobo with Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lobo, Lobo, like, uh, he's, he's the act like 
there's there's others that are the opposite of, of Superman, but he's really I'm not yeah. as familiar with Lobo as like in the comics. Is his motorcycle as much the companion as it is in some of the animated iterations of uh, Lobo? Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's a space hog, sir. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's a no space six, six. <laughs> I think um, you just named the episode. It's a space hog, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right on. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, well, it's 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 he he built it like he is super intelligence. He, he uh-huh. speaks like seventeen thousand different languages. It, it's it's crazy, but he uh, he built it and um, he bought it and modified it really, and uh, it, it's got functions like it's attuned to his his whistle, not just yes. any whistle, but his whistle. Mm-hmm. It'll come to him and stuff. It's it's not sentient it's it's not anything like that um but he can control it without being on it so in that sense yeah kind of in that way um but yeah and and it's tool he uses it because he can't fly but you know <laughs> he could take superman down with with his space rack but it's it's brilliant when you you see him and, and superman together because he brings out the worst in superman <laughs> in, in every comic like his boy scout like if you want to see Superman just be a dick, bring Lobo into the comic, and he just better than Bizarro Superman, huh? Yeah, he he just <laughs> he loses all of his sense of empathy and mm, and nice. right like he'll because Lobo regenerates on top of it, so Superman has no qualms about just blasting Lobo. <laughs> he'll kill Lobo, <laughs> yeah, just to end the conversation if he has to. But. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic when they they get together. <laughs> so to finish off the Lobo speak pre-show, we were having a little conversation that I said we should probably finish on air here, and that is the most recent news with James Gunn being active in the DC universe. Now he did tease Lobo uh, the other day on Twitter. I think you have uh, opinions, you have feelings on the cat on a possible casting. Uh, I don't know if tease is the right word. I mean. He just posted a picture and said, nice <laughs> "You know, people are, are, if you will, jumping the gun on this." Um, <clears throat> if, come on, guys, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't let my puns go to waste. Uh, so, if if anyone can truly bring Lobo out and do it justice, it's him. You know, mm-hmm. the, no, absolutely. The Lobo movie has been in the works since the '90s, and it it keeps getting shelved. At first, it got shelved because uh, Keith Giffen wouldn't let them do it. They mm-hmm. wanted to tone down the violence. Like, well, it's not Lobo if you're gonna not yeah, make right. ultra violent. You can't. Yeah, you can't tone that down. <laughs> Roger Corman tried to make a TV series um, oh, back wow. when Smallville was was wow. Yeah, that I didn't know. Yeah, um, and uh, there was another TV series that eventually became the uh, WB's first web series, um, and that's kind of funny. I'm I'm, I'm getting off topic, but I'm going to come right back to, to James Gunn, and that's how how DC uses Lobo a lot in that sense. Like they they premiere and, and pilot things. Like if they they want to sell a comic, they put Lobo on the cover. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. There's, yeah. Um, so anyway, 
so James Gunn teasing this, um, Jason Momoa had been attached to it back yeah. when Michael Bay was. I think to. he posted something almost in tandem with Gunn, which made people think that he was. It, it came cat. afterward because uh, it was an interview, an interview oh, okay. James Gunn's post, and he brought it up to Momoa. Momoa's like, okay. no, I didn't see it, but fuck yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Momoa is perfect. Uh, if, since since the first time he was attached to it, I think he was perfect. Um, he's already got the, the size, the attitude, mm-hmm. the look. I mean, you just got to paint him, you know. So, um, Andrew Berniski. Yeah, and anyways. I think... Uh, like the audience right now, it's, it's prime material for anti-hero stuff. I mean, look at Venom, Suicide Squad, and Joker. Uh, oh yeah, the audience is there for that. So if you're, they're gonna... definitely prim- they're primed for that because I think the the hero movies are kind of dwindling. Yeah, and the anti-hero stuff is gaining ground. Well, when you're pumping up for a year, you're gonna get sensitized yeah. <laughs> to it. Well, yeah. he's not necessarily an anti. I mean, uh, well, he is an anti-hero, but he's not necessarily a, a villain like. Yeah, uh, Joker. He kind of just mercenary type thing. Not even a mercenary. He he doesn't do mercenary work. He he's a bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Okay. Um, but yeah, he uh, he has his code. You know, um, his his word is his code, and he loves his fishies, the space dolphins. Um, don't fuck with his space dolphins. A lot of shit has happened because of that <laughs> in the books, but um. Yeah, I mean, he's been a member of Justice League numerous times. Um, in in this the last iteration, uh, maybe it's not the last anymore. The last time I read it, because Lobo left, so I didn't read it anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was the Rebirth era, and he f- from like issue one, he was on the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman made a deal with him, and. So he, he he fought alongside the Justice League through it all, and and it was it was actually a really really well done uh, series. But a lot of this comes down to whether the writers of the movie and whatever understand Lobo and yeah. can actually pull it off. So this could be DC's Deadpool. Yes. Yeah, and, and I mean Deadpool wouldn't have happened without Lobo. Up. Uh, uh, for sure no he's not a direct parody i guess he's he's more of a parody of uh um <laughs> the orange Death stroke, Death stroke. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean the the attitude and everything and, and rob liefeld had created blood wolf which was a direct parody of of lobo okay uh, before deadpool so yeah and any parody character in the Deadpool comics called Dirty Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, so other yeah. than collecting, you're into music. Uh, yeah, more so was. Um, was? Yeah. I, I've done other things for the last <laughs> 15 years, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's back up a bit and talk about what, what directed you toward the music you were making. Yeah. Ooh. Um. Wow, I don't even know how to get into that. <laughs> well, come done. on, you 
what inspired you? That's that's really what what the core of it is. Yeah, there's things that inspire you throughout your life, and those are the things that direct you to be what you are. I I, I picked up the guitar in the first place because of Bill and Ted. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if these if these guys can do it, you know, <laughs> these clowns can do it. Anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to be a wild stallion. Um, but as as far as music influence, like uh, born in the USA, this is I, I love saying this because it's a rather embarrassing aspect of <laughs> musicality. Because born in the USA made me want to like the guitar in itself. Like I, yeah. I love Bruce Springsteen. Born in the USA is is the song that made me want to rock. You know. But everything in Born in the USA is saxophone. It's it's like no guitar. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, musically, as as I wrote uh, for Court Jester, my band, um, Black Sabbath, uh, Guns and Roses, um, and and some Maiden uh, lyrically, I think were my influences. Just were what I wanted to hear: the darker influences. <laughs> <laughs> As he wears an Iron Maiden shirt. For That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Um, we, a couple of our songs had, had some of that uh, multi guitar um, things that you can't pull off on stage with two guitarists, uh, <laughs> harmony, melody, things going yeah. on. Um, and, and just the lyrics in Iron Maiden. Like I, I always love just, telling stories mm-hmm. I, I never got into that's something i hated about um grunge and and, and that whole mm. movement uh, it's like 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 you watch a movie because you, you you escape into it you know mm-hmm. that aspect I, I never truly appreciated movies that um i don't know hallmark type movies you know mm-hmm. where it's just why, why do I want to feel that way? I'm trying to do <laughs> fantasy for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's something I, I loved about glam metal and, and everything. Everything was just fun. Yes. Yeah. There was very little of, Oh, woe is me. Or, you know, like my, my shitty. Like kiss? Oh yeah. No. Fuck yeah. <laughs> kiss. Like, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that story. <laughs> well i think you embarrassed him without actually saying something (laughs) some memory came up there right there's just no good way of dropping it into oh okay fair enough (laughs) okay (laughs) yes (laughs) okay so back back in the day um um entertainment lawyer owen sloan had sat down with me and, and talked with me about stuff. And he's like, yeah. now mind you, like Corchester did shit, but we were never big, you know, but he, he sits there in, in his office and he tells me, James, I don't know how you guys do it, but you somehow walk into these clubs and bars and convince everybody you're fucking kiss. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what made me remember. Okay. <laughs> Fuck it yeah. up. <laughs> the show starts the minute you walk out the door, man. <laughs> so did that band kind of play like glam metal sort of music? Corchester? Yes. My band? Um, I won't say, no. Um, 
<laughs> we dressed it we, when okay. we started we definitely uh wore shiny shirts and and so you had the visual aspect of it so musically what would you uh consider yourself um hard rock metal hard rock metal excellent yeah um our and and it varied you know like I mean, we 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 played with everybody from Sir Mix a Lot to Morbid Angel. Okay, wow. <laughs> that is quite the. Yeah, that is, that is a... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we were known for getting along with everybody and um, being able to to pull out the shows. Like, uh, I don't know, like like our, our first album, as as most bands do when you record your first album you've got such a a monster um uh of a of music because you've you've spent you know 10 years writing the tracks that are on that mm-hmm. that album and that and that influences but then onto the second album we had we progressed in those 10 years so and and changed and modified so the second album while still hard rock metal it was a lot less of the maiden aspects the um like eight minute songs and uh you know um melodic orchestrations and and we changed (laughs) vocals too so we we had changed out of the the melodic uh vocalist and into more of a straight rock okay Uh, singer so it was and and radio friendly like our second album was was definitely engineered towards um commercialization and it worked because we commercialized a couple of songs (laughs) could listeners find this stuff on youtube at all uh yes um i know our second album's on youtube uh okay uh i know it's on is it cd baby cd baby yeah um and I'm sure it's on iTunes. I know that those fuckers. Um, who's the, who's the big streaming? Spotify. 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 Those yeah. Motherfuckers stole our shit. Mm. Um, oh, well, tell so, us how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I I know it's out there on other forums that we've never given permission for. The only ones that that legally have it are uh, Amazon, iTunes, and CD Baby. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to get some of that stuff because it all it's all puzzle pieces to figure out like what makes the person the person that they are today, and uh, absolutely, especially especially the music aspect of things. Uh, well, and, and, and it, you're right. I mean, it all connects because yeah, yeah. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be here without the music. I wouldn't have started the HSPPA if it wasn't for the band you know right uh, which allotted me to do it and my years of of just gigging and being on the road is what made hsppa a traveling system because i dug it i knew touring (laughs) yeah yeah Well, that's really that's really cool that uh, to hear that those all of those things kind of interlace and um, make you who you are. Oh yeah. But let's let's get in a little bit to um, your transitioning from 
the band and into collecting and and starting HSPPA. Hmm. Um, like, so how did HSPPA come about? Well, I, I imagine a lot of it came from the just the starting to collect things and and you know different different collections and and like that led to it. But but you started collecting real screen used props and uh as some people may or may not know our audience may or may not know james and i were partnered in a museum here and james's a lot of james's collection was in our museum well i shouldn't say a lot of it because it was probably five times the size of what we had in the museum but uh you know um we want to know why why you know how and why and and what drove you to do that? What drove you to decide I have to preserve these things? And what does that acronym mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, HSPPA Horror and Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, another tidbit about me is I love museums. Um, uh, if if I could live anywhere, like I, I want to live in the field museum in Chicago, like just that can be my house, you know, like here's a dinosaur, here's Egypt, you know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, I just love that idea of curation. And, and I guess you, from what I've said already, you can, you can look back at how I collected and held on to these artifacts from world war two and uh, the comic books. And you can see the crap behind me here. Um, sorry the amazing Guinness world record holding Lobo collection behind me. <laughs> um, I'm going to just drop that in every so often. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, curation, everything. I, I just l- love doing that. And so w- when I started getting into props, um, uh, as Nick will attest, the materials used to make most of these things is naturally degradable you know it's it's just latex mm-hmm. it's it's gonna die and, and the and the use that's being pushed upon it on set and everything um something a lot of people may not realize is something you see on screen that i mean that that's made to make it through the scene that it's in it, it's not mm-hmm. made to last uh a year 10 years 30 years down the line. and we're back so Acronyms, props, and preservation. <laughs> so the HSPPA, the Horror and Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association. Um, yes. So we, uh, I, I formed this because, um, well, okay, so back up to the, the latex and everything. So was, I, I got stuff. In particular, uh, it was the uh, Creeper Cowl, uh, the Hero Creeper Cowl from Jeepers Creepers, the first one. Um, it was rotting, um, mm-hmm. and, and like on the edge and it had already started to adhere itself to, uh, the, the life cast, Jonathan Breck's life cast that had been sitting on. Oh yeah. Cause and, it kind of gels as it, as it falls apart. Yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it just becomes one with whatever it's touching. <laughs> right. Uh, and it, it was very sad to see this, you know, and, um, I love the movie. Uh, we obviously didn't know about the creator's uh, <laughs> choices 
back then. Um, but I still like the movie um, yes. now, but I, I try to avoid a lot of those conversations because of it. One must <laughs> separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, <laughs> different topic. Keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, and, and at the time, uh, I was probably the most I had paid for an item. Um, so it was more, even more disheartening seeing something that you spent yeah. money on disintegrating in front of your eyes. So I, I started to figure out, you know, what can you do? And I discovered Tom Spina and Tom Spina Designs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd contacted him and uh, we talked, um, I think, another year or two years or something <laughs> went by and I, I sent it off to him finally. And he, he patched, uh, he didn't patch it. He um, sealed it, uh, adhered the rest of it to the, the bust. And mm-hmm. um, I think he might've touched, uh, there was a, some, uh, some wet rot on the back where mm-hmm. it was becoming tacky. Don't touch my wet rot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and, uh, sounds very wrong. <laughs> um, I had so to throw he, that in there. Sorry. <laughs> never apologize for your wet rot, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch my wet rot. <laughs> so he, he did the work. He sent it back to me, and my I was just blown away at what he did. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, this this stuff needs to be cared for. Um, and, uh, so then, uh, another couple of years, maybe, maybe another year or two years after that went by and, uh, when, when I would order a pizza, anything, I, I opened my front door, um, and, and make would, sure there's no wet rot. <laughs> I live in Chicago. There's a lot of wet rot. <laughs> Not on your pizza. I hope well, I, you don't know what I ordered. <laughs> <laughs> you, you open my door and you, you'd see um, at the time I had uh, just an entire wall of Michael Myers masks. So when Ooh. you open the door, that's all you saw. I mean, they, they, they were all replica, but yeah. Um, so the pizza guy drop the pizza and run. There was more. <laughs> I had a cop do that. And there's a phrase where so you'd see stuff and, and, They'd like, oh wow, what's this? And come in and like take some pictures, and mm-hmm. and, and this was continual. Um, and uh, and then uh, this one day, um, uh, this company that will always remain nameless until they sponsor me <laughs> uh, came to install a um, a much better internet cable system, and. Uh, they were at my house for like seven hours and he kept calling texts because I kept giving him tours of my house and everything that I had. So they just kept bringing in texts to, to the area. <laughs> See the cool shit. Like so you were giving tours basically to somebody you were paying to put in internet. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> luckily not by the hour, <laughs> just one installation fee, five texts. You there know? You go. <laughs> And and it just kind of clicked with me that like, people need to see this stuff. It's got to come mm-hmm. out from behind closed doors. And I still have my trailer from Courtchester. And <laughs> you know, I uh, contacted Flashback Weekend um, a couple months later after I'd start putting it 
the whole HSBB idea together and like, here's this thing. And they're like, you want what? <laughs> like this. Um, they were the only ones that I had uh, talked to that Mike and Mia that actually like got any semblance of what it was and just gave me the space. Right. Uh, to booth space, which to a, a show, uh, for those that don't realize, that's a lot, a lot of money. It's valuable. Yeah. yeah it's valuable uh, real estate. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I set up and, uh, you know, it was a very meager display if you go back and, and look at the pics that I had from back then. But people just loved it. They were just crowded in there. And I had Stefan and his daughter, Abby, um, who had been helping me with shows forever. Um, they we <laughs> dressed them up in the uh, armors, the, the gorilla and the chimp armors from Planet of the Apes, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. And they just walked around the con and, and in, in the original screen used armor. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, after that, I had some photos and I could show other people like mm -hmm. this is what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> and yeah, it, it just exploded from there. Uh, yeah. We did like three shows that year. The next year we did like 17 and next year we did like 30. Um, and then, you know, COVID eventually happened and we're back well, to people like, do love seeing that stuff <laughs> yeah, really yeah. Do. Yeah. and i uh I'll, I'll attest to personally um experiencing that with james uh not only at mad monster when i i signed in in his booth but uh just again in chicago this past uh flashback weekend yeah. um it's it's really kind of a a cool thing to see when you realize just how much these seeing these pieces or touching these pieces um really affects people to their core so oh absolutely um, yeah it's really really nice to see yeah uh you know it's it's and nick you and i have had this conversation a lot um because we we see this so often but but movies have such an emotional attachment to people you know yes Every, everything we've talked about with me, the one thing we didn't talk about is that everything I've done can be turned back and pointed at me seeing Star Wars. Okay. Every every, every major yes. choice in life I've made has been because I saw Star Wars, you know? Sure. The, the, the quick example is <laughs> I wanted to be a director and go to... Uh, and so I could study at the Lucas Building at university of southern california you know and then in high school i discovered that well your senior project is a hundred thousand dollars alone <laughs> and so i quickly changed gears to radio and radio um brought me to the people that we formed court jester which brought me to this which brought you know so every, every step came full circle it, yeah you know, um, so I like, and I originally got into radio uh, because I interviewed Darth Vader, David Prowse. Nice. That's cool. Uh, that's the body of Vader. Yes. Yes. Um, 
back in high school uh, over the phone. <laughs> and, and I realized that if you're in radio, you can meet Star Wars actors. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what are you oh, doing? Yeah. I'm going into radio broadcasting, you know? <laughs> and I did. Like, I would interview every Star Wars person that came through town. and <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so did you uh nick you said that he did some teaching oh yeah there's that aspect too <laughs> yeah let's talk yeah, about james, the teaching james did a little teaching oh um to to burst the bubbles of everybody out there music <laughs> doesn't pay <laughs> very well <laughs> um, i think a lot of artists that at least, at least a lot of the people we talk to and will be listening to this, I'm sure, know that. Yeah, get it. <laughs> uh, especially today, music doesn't pay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Reference> so Spotify. <laughs> I, uh, I because of the band, I I wasn't hadn't been willing to take uh, certain radio jobs, and I'm sitting here in the number three market in the nation. You don't just get on the air in the number three market of the nation as, you know, at least in, in a station that's going to do you anything. I worked in plenty, right. Here, you know, but, um, so I wasn't willing to move and everything because the band was just starting and <laughs> that's what I wanted. So I, uh, I, I got, had my BA in uh, radio broadcasting, Columbia college. And, um, a couple of years, went by and I went back and I got my master's degree in education and uh, I'd started working uh, in, in the schools because um, I mean, <laughs> a, it's good pay, but B, I mean, you get so much time off. <laughs> you know? So we, we were able to, to tour to gig and everything just months at a time, especially in the summer yeah. was available. Um, and I, I had health insurance, you know, that was like a, a huge thing. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I never, uh, did a whole lot with the teaching degree, um, because I kind of shot myself in the foot with it. Um, unions, um, having a, uh, a master's in education, uh, as, and being a first year beginning teacher because of the unions they have to pay you more because you have a master's degree even mm -hmm. though i have the same experience as somebody fresh out of college so you know who got the jobs <laughs> over me <Right. laughs> uh, so, but I, I did work at a uh, uh a bad kid school for a bit teaching there um uh, this was the and then and then when they go home they're pointing at the court jester videos going that's my teacher <laughs> yeah i mean some <laughs> some did yes there you go. speaking of uh court jester it is available on itunes nice. the album strange land so uh if you guys have itunes you can go pick that up right meow right on <laughs> thanks for the plug um <laughs> yeah i mean in, in my classroom there uh behind me on, on the wall I I had uh, so <laughs> I had 
two of uh or one one of the uh, clue cards from saw um is it four it's, nice it's, <laughs> i can't think of it right now but it's the one where um the one with the traps well it says and and teacher or something um so that that was hanging on on the wall in there yeah that's and, the fourth one right yeah 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 it was, it was a, it's it's from the 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 bedroom that uh hits him in the eyes with the <laughs> the pokey things um and uh so i i was in a, a simpsons comic book that was i had the uh that hanging on the wall and you know <laughs> certain things so i was in a kiss comic book too oh very good <laughs> i got a question for you yeah is the sergeant rock book from predator out there Oh, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it's a rock book. Uh, I've never seen it. Never um, seen it. Boy, that'd be I, a cool piece, wouldn't it? It'd be it'd be unique, you know. Um, I, I like things like that. The uh, yeah, um, books and comics from movies. Um, that being a real one, though, I'd, I'd yeah. be a little uh, apprehensive as to the authenticity of whoever's selling it. Yes. <laughs> You'd have yeah. to show a lot of uh, proof there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's always a, a, it's a delicate situation in the prop world. <laughs> Absolutely. So I know, I know TJ is probably uh, afraid to ask, but uh Absolutely. I know, I know it's a burning question for him as we, as we wrap up our discussion with you, James, I recommend and that, you is, cooling that is really, really about what draws us to you. And that is your birds. <laughs> so what kind of birds do you have? I know Nick has seen a cockatoo in his life, but, uh, what do you got? <laughs> Maybe three, three or four. <laughs> so, uh, the pink chicken. That's pink chicken and derpy D. Derpy D. <laughs> That's awesome. Der- derpy D is a lovebird. She's in love with pink chicken. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, Sarge and Cappy, who are two kayaks. Okay. Um, they do all, the, if you can see all the cuts yes. and everything. <laughs> Um, they play rough. They're they're awesome. They do the James damage. They just play really rough. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's Jax, the uh, little blue parakeet. Um, he's he had a, a cage mate, uh, uh, Miss Wallace, who recently passed. Um, and uh, so that's five. So and Nick doesn't know about this. <laughs> Um, see how quick I can pick this up. See if I was prepared for your. Um, okay, so, so all of my birds except for Cappy, who Captain Orange Pants, um, the one guy, <laughs> but she, she, she's got <laughs> orange. I mean, <laughs> pants. I got to give him that. Uh, they're all rescues. I've, I've brought them in, um, mm. and not necessarily bad rescues like they've come from good homes and stuff but uh just people that couldn't take care of them anymore like pink chicken she turned 40 this year um 
her owners uh, had gotten to the age of retirement. The kids had well moved off and they just couldn't take care of her anymore. So I brought her in. So um, I am getting a new uh, flock member. Oh, wow. 10th. This is Picasso. Uh, he's a red-fronted Amazon, or a red-fronted macaw. Wow. He's 19, and uh, he apparently talks, so I am oh. really excited that he will teach Pink Chicken how to speak. She refuses to talk. Her real name is Reebok, by the way, just for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we call her Pink Chicken because she looks like a pink chicken. <laughs> she, acts so we, like, <laughs> she acts like a pink chicken. Yeah. So we mentioned finding every puzzle piece, and there's just one last one that I need to know, and it will just complete <laughs> the whole picture of who James Asriel is, and that is bird cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> you dress your birds up. I oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like why? <laughs> oh, he's busted. Like, oh. <laughs> put on a big bird outfit. And- and sit in the room with no. <laughs> we oh, we almost revealed his hidden fetish there, folks. <laughs> I, I was going to reveal that I I do have a um, porg onesie. Ah, uh. <laughs> which is a bird from Star Wars. Star Wars so. <laughs> yes. uh, so you definitely dressed your birds up uh, for Halloween. I do. Uh, yeah. I, well, I dress uh, pink chicken Reebok up. Yes. Um, and uh, the pictures are <laughs> usually come out amazing, but uh, it'll. I have to be quick. Like she, yeah. she tolerates it for like three seconds. Uh, <laughs> usually enough to maybe get get a picture. Um, she she has didn't want to do it last year or this year. No matter what I tried. She have just, you thought of like? Doing like couples cosplays with your birds, like George <laughs> of the Jungle, or like a pirate, or something like that. Or you could wear orange pants too. Yeah, or Doctor <laughs> Doolittle. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I have a picture. <laughs> of orange pants. Yes. <laughs> no, of him reenacting the scene from uh, Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Got to be my jungle friends. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, how fast I find this. <laughs> um, he's wait. looking for the. Uh... <laughs> I have a picture. <laughs> yeah, it's on Facebook. Um. Mm. Speaking of Facebook, let's plug your socials, pal. Uh, <laughs> a couple of them. <laughs> uh, well, HSPPA can be found everywhere, HSPPA. Um, and my personal, James Azrael, um, which is mostly... Oh, here it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought it had the costume on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, I can't show it to you now. Oh, um, I'll, I'll show you the two pictures that what I thought it was going to be. So, this is a uh, one of Reebok's. Where's the freaking camera? 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, I thought in my head she was wearing it in this picture. (laughs) (laughs) Would have been great. (laughs) Yeah. Now I got a goal. (laughs) There you go. Um, And uh, right now I, I... and it'd probably stay up for a while, but I've got the Fragpendium, which is the book I'm writing about Lobo, hmm. um, which is a compendium. Frag is his favorite word. Fragpendium. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. 100 plus. It's, and now what will that book what do? led up to the, the Guinness. Um, I mean, it'll, it'll break a coffee table, maybe hold a really heavy door open um, there you go yeah, is it gonna essentially like take uh, somebody out with it is it gonna <laughs> tell you the story of lobo and kind of give people like a like an overview of all things lobo yeah uh so basically if if you have a little bit or no knowledge of lobo whatsoever or even a lot of knowledge um about him you you grab this and uh this I, I, it's it's a compendium. It's it's part uh, cliff note summary of of the the key events throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, it breaks down um, main plot points and 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 uh, I do some editorialization on stuff and explain things. Um, there's an entire chapter on Superman. The mm-hmm. entire chapter on on Marvel crossover. Um, as part of the Kickstarter, I had to add in a chapter on parodies um, that gets into all the <laughs> that stuff, uh, <laughs> talking about his daughter and uh, demon, and so everything from from his beginnings. I, and I go before his beginnings even to explain like how the Omega Men became and and how uh, Marv Wolfman and Keith Giffen and all of them got together, and this eventually Lobo was there um now i get into all the tv stuff uh, and then throughout it all is um and uh, <laughs> i've got this pile sitting here you know this is this is everything that's been added uh since oh boy my, my <laughs> um, you know and it doesn't seem like much on the surface there but like this this envelope has, 30 some color guides from uh action comics uh annual and logo and superman so um but uh, but i'm showing that kind of stuff in the book so original art oh, okay um covers color guides rare pieces are in there you know and and then the 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 thing that i started 30 years ago with collecting lobo is the database and tracking everything so mm-hmm. that's half of this book, and it's a complete catalog of every single appearance from 1983, and it'll go through yeah. January 2023. Wow. So is this a hardcover book, James, or is this a softcover? The Kickstarter is hardcover. Oh, wow. Um, and it, there's also a limited edition one with a dust cover. Uh, Even better. With, yeah. <laughs> is the Kickstarter live, or is it finished? It's live right now. It goes through the 28th. Yeah. We're, so, uh, so let's just throw this out there. What would bring it full circle for you would be if James Gunn were to get a hold of your book and have Lobo kill someone with it, 
yes. with your 400 page book <laughs> in the movie. Yes. Right? You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, pick it up. Damn, I'm handsome. That would be perfect. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the last Zarnian, his, his first miniseries in 1990, mm. is kind of a. It starts off. He's reading the unauthorized auto, the unauthorized biography of Lobo, <laughs> and that sends him on this, this tirade. So, yes. so, no, maybe I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, other than the Lobo book, what other projects are you working on right now that you want to get out there to uh, the listeners? <laughs> uh, I've, I've got a, a movie, Foxglove Candy, that uh, I'm producing um, with Danielle Emery Taylor uh, and my my uh, producing partner. We did It's Just a Game Together. Uh, he wrote and directed uh, that we're looking at filming. <sighs> early 2023 um we're waiting on on a surgery before we can set some dates on on, on that but yeah that's a that's gonna be a fun one that it's it's um kind of a, a back to the uh sexploitation of the 70s kind of the uh, the corman sexploitation type movies um girls this is kind of digging with the uh the only fans and hustling type of mm-hmm. thing maybe not only fans that's more legit you know <laughs> more like the craigslist i guess um so girls hustling and and um it starts off with a little th- theft and guy gets unruly dies now you know it, it escalates and it escalates until they find themselves uh with a guy who has robes and a book and other kind of ritualistic stuff. <laughs> now, does that mean we're also okay. going to get a cameo from you like we did in? Uh, in yeah, Vegas? yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pawn shop owner in this. Oh, okay. very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but is it a pawn shop owner with a shotgun this time? Yeah. Oh, my shotgun's going to be in there. Yeah. Good. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'll probably have skull girls knives in there too. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like to sneak these things in there. Um, the, the book that we're using, uh, so, uh, so TJ, a, a lot of, and, and for other people with IJAG and stuff, uh, HSPPA <laughs> comes in and provides some props for things that we need here and there. Mm-hmm. So, some of the things that you'll see are, are from other movies. And so I <laughs> don't hold me to this right now, but currently the, the, the book um, that's going to be in the movie is actually from the TV show, Sabrina. Okay. One of her spell yeah. books, not hers, but you know, Satan books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to give, give spoilers, but you know, yeah. I guess I kind of, did anyway um <laughs> so you're just referencing kiss from earlier that's all uh <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see my friends oh yes let's make him uh, full screen for the video there we go my friends jar jar back there folks yeah now these, these are both alice resident evil resident evil okay Mila Jovovich and I, I sit here and I look at this and I'm like, 
I would watch the shit out of that movie. <laughs> Resident Evil with Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I have the Axeman's axe. So just picture the... the ah, Misa's so happy Misa's to see so you, Alan! to kill you! Misa's so going to kill you! Misa got the virus, huh? <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> hey, even a giant Lobo action figure there. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that's one of the earliest things. That actually was from the WB store. Okay. WB store exclusive. It's just PVC, one of those in action action figures. <laughs> but everything here is, uh, it's not displayed because it's all set up for the Guinness shit. Mm-hmm. That's what all those little tags are. Everything is numbered. Yeah. Because uh, we, a, I, I had to uh, index it all yeah, for for them, so everything had to match up. Then I had to have photos that match up with those index numbers. And then I had to have two judges come in, and on video, I had to show them every item, and they had to verify that that's what it was. <laughs> so, and, and those without him, like, on the cover, I had to open them up and yeah. went to the... Yeah, it was like eight hours, ten wow. hours of video. And it's just flip a book, flip a book, flip a book. They're like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's all on video. Insane problem. Because you want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's all. Look at that. Yeah, some of it's out, the little miniatures. Hero clicks. All the games. A whole lot of Lobo. That's a lot of Lobo. I thought that was a Led Zeppelin song. Oh, no, that's not. (laughs) (laughs) One whole lot of Lobo. (laughs) Yeah, that's a... Thank you for sharing that uh, collection with us. That was uh, pretty rad. But I think that is all we have for today's episode. James, you're legendary. You're a world record holder. You have birds. You dress your birds up. Birds and you dress them up. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure and an honor, guys. I, I couldn't find a better fitting guest for our first episode of Hypodermic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sticking him deep. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, James. So we will be back next week with another episode of Hypodermic, the pod that sticks you deep. I am TJ Bowser. Monster face, the gruesome monster head you make and remake into the most monstrous monsters imaginable. Then you bring it to life. Now for the test. It works! Monster face comes with everything shown here.